serving as our uh, new head deacon and uh, serving us in that capacity. And he's, of course, been a deacon and served that way for many years. And uh, Michelle is actually our bookkeeper. And so uh, they've been a part of, of just everything. And so love you guys and uh, for all that they do. Well, uh, we are in week five of our series called Forward. And um, I'm going to get you up to speed here. A couple of quick things I want to say before we do that. Regarding uh, tonight, we have a special leaders meeting. This is really important to the whole, our forward campaign, as well as uh, communicating what we're going to do with the leaders. So I want to say this real quickly. A letter went out to the leaders. And if by any chance you consider yourself a leader and you did not get a letter, forgive us for that. But you are invited, so 6 p.m. tonight. So if you consider yourself a leader and you want to come and hear what God is doing, want to be a part of, of that, come on out tonight, 6 p.m., and uh, we're going to have uh, uh, heavy hors d'oeuvres. We're going to get together, hear a message, and we've, we've got something very specific that, that we're going to do tonight and uh, encourage you to come on out. It's going to be uh, really important. And again, just to remind you that next week is, is a very important Sunday. It is our, uh, our kind of pulling together the forward campaign and our, our commitment weekend. And so uh, we've been giving you the information. We've been telling you what's going on. And matter of fact, if it's your first time here this Sunday, uh, this Sunday just want to say welcome aboard. Welcome uh, in, in coming to, to see what God is doing here. But uh, we've been busy. We've been, uh, we're getting excited about what God is preparing uh, for us to do, and, uh, and that is preparing to expand our campus here. So we've got a new building that we've got planned, a 600-seat auditorium, and then a new atrium that will connect the two buildings that will be very large with a new cafe in that. And of course, the purpose for all of that is, uh, of course, making what we, we say, making room at the table for what God wants to do among us. And I'll share a little bit more on that in just a second. But then on a complete upgrade in our children's ministries. And uh, so I appreciate you, you in prayer regarding this whole forward endeavor because it's, it's big, it's, uh, it's a little over our heads, but it's something that God has called us to do. He's placed in our heart and he's made it clear. I want you guys to go forward in this capacity. So we've been moving forward. Good things are happening, albeit they've been challenging, uh, but God is doing little miracles along the way. Uh, we have a website it's called Valley Forward, Valley Forward, one word, dot net. You can write that down. Go to valleyforward.net. Check out. You can get all the details about what's going on. We've got frequently asked uh, questions that will be posted there. Uh, we've got quite a few there already, but then we'll be updating that as the campaign goes forward. And uh, you can see some information that, that we have in the booth. You can find it there. Uh, and then we will be uploading to that the uh, updated uh, architectural plans. So you can see a floor. Matter of fact, uh, Jamie, we'll need those for tonight. I think we can do that. We'll just have um, Ryan put them up for us. But we'll just give, a, give you uh, what the plans that we do have, the kind of the footprints, the elevations, some of the things that we've already got our architect put, in, put together for us. So we'll have that for you on the website so you can check that out as we go. But let's not forget. So we handed out this card, this commitment card, a couple of weeks ago. I wanted you to have this in hand. So if you have not gotten a copy of this, please go to the forward booth, check it out, look at, pray over it the next week. Next week, we're going to bring our, our commitment and our, um, our, uh, uh, our initial offerings to the Lord to, again, prepare for this pledge, a three-year pledge to raise the monies we need to make all this happen. So um, 
it's just kind of a unique situation for us. Matter of fact, it's really the first time as a senior pastor myself that I've ever been involved in anything like this. Uh, it's been challenging, it's overwhelming, but it's definitely something clear that God has called us to do. Four services, uh, almost 600 people on a weekend, Thursday night, uh, and so we're, we're, God's doing amazing things. By the way, we're going to be expanding our parking. I know you'd be happy to hear that. Um, especially on a rainy day like this. And so we've got big plans, and God is, is, is doing this in our heart and preparing us. So I wanted to real briefly just go over what we have learned, what forward has all been about, and that so we talked about vision. We started with vision, and it always starts with vision. There's dreams, there's fantasies, but a vision is, is what comes from God to meet a specific God call. And what I want to mention is that there is always a dual aspect to what we're talking about through this whole, this, this whole campaign. There is the aspect of the individual message that God has for you. So God is encouraging us in moving forward in our own personal lives. He's encouraging us in the area of vision. Without a vision, people perish. We know that's what the Bible teaches. So we will diminish a church will diminish as well when it does not have a corporate vision. But God has given us one. Matter of fact, he's given us one that's too big for us. Not too big. It's too big for us to ever do it on our own. We absolutely need him to make it happen. But it's, so we got the dual aspect. So there's the individual, but there's also the corporate vision, the corporate aspect of what Forward is all about. So it's what we do individually, but it's what we're all called to do together. If you call Valley your church home, if you want Valley to be your church home, then you're a living stone that God is putting, faceting, putting you in, as a, in, the, in the facet, in the filigree of his plan, of his, of his perfect picture of what he's wanting to do through this body of believers to reach our community for him in all the creative, wonderful, unique, and powerful ways he, he's called us to do it. So there's the vision. So he's given us a vision. And then the week after that, we, we, we jumped into understanding that in order for a, a vision to be adapted, to be received, God needs a living sacrifice. God needs an individual, a corporate body that says, Lord, your kingdom come, your will be done through me. So we've got to have a, a, a broken vessel. We've got to have a vessel that is ready to be poured into, available, usable. And so we learned about surrender and a living sacrifice, and we don't just do that once. We gave our life to Jesus Christ. We, we laid our life down. We, we said, I belong to you. But what we found out in this walk with Jesus is that it's a daily surrender, that we have to wake up every day and just say, Lord, your kingdom come, your will be done in my life as it is in heaven. It's a constant daily, moment-by-moment moment surrender that, re that will make the vision, it's absolutely required for that vision to go forward because we forget, we get distracted, we get pulled away. It's, it's, it's a fight, but it is absolutely the plan. Jesus said, follow me, and that's what we're doing. That's what you're called to do, and I'm called to do. Next, we talked about hearing from God because that's the next part. So this is really a discipleship process, to be honest with you. Get a vision from God, lay down your life for him. Then what does he have to say to me? What we learned in the scripture is that God is always speaking, yet God's people fail to perceive it. And so we need to, to refine our ability to hear. Jesus said, my sheep know my voice. And we firmly believe here at Valley, it's a part of our, our value, it's why we do what we do, is that every believer can hear from God. 
had a great time to just sit down with a young man yesterday as we talked about it. He wanted to hear a little bit more about hearing from God, and we talked about that. I said, I'd love to talk about that topic. So we got into the, a little bit on that, and then uh, among many th- other things. But just, just how God wants to speak to us, and he will speak to you. And he will make very clear how you can make this vision happen step by step in your life. And uh, now God doesn't give us all the details, but he gives us glimpses. And these glimpses give us uh, 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 sometimes only maybe the next step. Sometimes he shoots way down the road and shows us what he's got planned. And sometimes we get a little too uh, 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 anxious or whatever, and we try to make it happen too soon. But we just step by step, just being faithful to him, surrendering to him, God will make happen what he is he wants to do through you and through us. See, when I came here 15 years ago, I saw what we're getting ready to do, and I wanted to make it happen then. But you got to wait on God. God had to bring the right people. God had to bring the right time. All these things had to line up. Matter of fact, for free, I want to give you a little, little something. When it comes to the, the, the prophetic perspective of God speaking to you, we all vision, we, we look at history for a, from a, on a linear scale. So if you can imagine with me, this is a linear scale. We see history as it unfolds. We see uh, uh, everything as it comes together uh, through time. But that's not the way God sees, th- sees things. God sees it like this, Okay. Only problem for us is that we cannot see the distance in between God's time and his plan. And sometimes we might glimpse something that's happening prophetically along the line, like his second coming, like the new heaven and the new earth, like so many things that he has promised. We can't see it. We want to see it that way, don't we? Can I, Lord, would you please tell me when this is all going to happen? Well, he doesn't do that because he's teaching us to trust him, to follow him. Even Jesus said, I don't do anything unless the Father shows me or he releases me. Matter of fact, he's not even coming again until the Father says, now. Now, Lord? Now, Father? Not now. Now? Not now. How about now? Yep, let's do it. That's the way it works. And so when it comes to the plan of God for your life, for our life, we're waiting on God, waiting for him to speak to us and then respond to the voice of the Lord. That's the next part is obedience. We learned about that, that, okay, it's one thing to be a Christian who can hear the voice of God. So many people can hear. We learned about how we hear from God. We read the word. We have the still small voice confirmed. The word of God confirms what God speaks to us on the inside. That's how he does it. But what happens is over time, we, uh, we can kind of settle into this, this, this overconfidence, uh, really kind of by pride, is that I know the will of God. But God's going to ask you at some point along, well, when are you going to start doing it? Right? So we learned what James told us, that faith without is dead. That's right. Faith without works is dead. So we can't just have a knowledge of the truth. I mean, even Satan knows the word. Didn't the Bible tell us that? That he even, he, you know, even Satan knows, as a, a, a matter of fact, he quotes the Bible for crying out loud. But it's those who act upon it. It's those who say, yes, Lord, I am listening, and I what? I obey. I'm ready to do the will of God. So being the church. So we're not into churchianity around here. We're into Christianity. We're we're all about what that last song that we sang about, the gospel, and letting that gospel go forward generation after generation after generation. And that's what this is all about, my friends. It's about people. 
It's about people. It's about winning for him the reward of his suffering. That's what we're called to do. And we need to not allow ourselves to be distracted from that. In our community, in our region, and in the nations of the world are people who have yet to hear the gospel. And when I'm talking about the gospel, I'm talking about the clear gospel. I'm not talking about some works thing. I'm not talking about what anybody, what man has conjured. I'm talking about the biblical gift of God ready to be given to anyone who says yes to Jesus. That's what it's all about. And we just need to keep doing it and doing it and doing it in every creative possible way we can think of, either whether it be with fancy lights or giving them food or giving them a Bible or opening a door or loving on them in every, any and every practical way we can possibly think about it, generation after generation after generation. We can do it with tablets made of wood, and we can make it with tablets from Apple. It don't matter, all right? Speaking of which, I, I love my thing, but I tell you what, I can be a little scary sometimes if it just disappears on me, then you better know what you're talking about for the next 20 minutes. That actually happened to me in a, in a funeral. Pink, it all disappeared, and I'm standing there going, okay, instant in season and out, better be ready. Anyway, God was good. He, he, he helped me. All right, so... Obedience. Then, folks, that leads us to the next step, and that is preparing for a miracle. Because here's the deal. God is going to call you to something bigger than you. Always does. If he knew you could do it, you wouldn't need him. But all across this room are miracles. You're a miracle. The fact that you're sitting here today, go ahead and admit it. You're a miracle. I'm a miracle. We've experienced miracles. To go on with what God wants to do in our lives, it's going to require a, a miracle. In other words, God doing inside you something you could never conjure or do on your own, in your own strength. It's going to require God to absolutely show up and make it happen. Well, so we're going to talk about a miracle here today and an anatomy or a recipe of a miracle. How do we get one? How do we prepare ourselves to receive a miracle from God, because it's what it's going to require. If you're going to say, your kingdom come, your will be done in my life, whew, God's will in my life, it's pretty overwhelming. I don't know how to make that happen in my marriage. I don't know how to make that happen in my head, in my business, in my whatever it is that God has called me to do. I mean, it can be so overwhelming. But the beauty is, as in, Christ, in Christianity, we know that Jesus is there to be our help, our counselor, our strength, our comforter. Our, our Jehovah Hire, our provider, amen? That's what he wants to do. But all of that requires a miracle. So folks, yes, next week we're gonna come together and we're gonna ask God to do a miracle through us. But how do we get there? How do we, can we prepare for that? Well, we're gonna talk about that today. So we're going to look in the scriptures and, uh, and how a biblical miracle works. The anatomy. And this is a really neat teaching here that, that I, I'm excited to share with you. But you'll, you'll find it in John chapter 6 and Mark 6. And it's really neat. This story is, is, is one of the only miracles in the New Testament that is in actually all four Gospels. And I don't know that there's necessarily any uh, real weight to that except that if it's the only one and it's in all foot, it must have, been, it must have a, a precedence of importance. It must be that something that all of the gospel writers saw this as a very significant miracle. And I think it is. You'll see. So let's start with John chapter 6, uh, 1 through 13. I'm going to read it. You can follow along. 
After these things, Jesus went over the Sea of Galilee, which is the Sea of Tiberias. Then a great multitude followed him because they saw his signs, which he performed on those who were diseased. So he'd been doing amazing miracles and word got out. And so the people wanted to find Jesus. And Jesus went up on the mountain and there he sat with his disciples. Now the Passover, a feast of the Jews was near. Then Jesus lifted up his eyes and seeing a great multitude coming toward him, he said to Philip, where shall we buy bread that these may eat? And he's holding his hand out toward a lot of people coming, basically a stadium full of people coming this way. Now, I'll interrupt this to say, now, it's five, what they would do is they would count just the men in those days. Yes, I know it seems sexist, but that's the way they did it. Counted the men, but it, and they didn't count the women or the children. So it could have been twice that many, okay? Could have been twice that many. So here they come. And Jesus sees them, this great multitude coming toward him. And he said to Philip, where shall we buy the bread that these may eat? But this he said to test him, for he himself knew what he would do. That's important to remember. Very important to remember. He's God. He's sovereign. He's providential. And he, he, he knows what's going to happen. Verse 7. Philip answered him, 200 denarii worth of bread is not sufficient for them that every one of them would even have a little. One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, there is a lad here who has five barley loaves and two small fish, but what are they among so many? Then Jesus said, make the people sit down. There was much grass in the place, so the men sat down, and the number about 5,000. And Jesus took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed them to the disciples, and the disciples to those sitting down, and likewise of the fish, as much as they wanted. So when they were filled, he said to his disciples, gather up the fragments that remain so that nothing is lost. Therefore, they gathered them up and filled 12 baskets with the fragments of the five barley loaves, which were left over by those who had eaten. So folks, out of this story, we have a recipe for a miracle. And we can sum it up like this. Where there is a need, sensed by a group, and each individual understands his or her responsibility and gives their all, regardless of the odds, then Jesus works a miracle. Well, that's interesting. So there are some prerequisites to this miracle taking place. And you'll understand here that this is not a common kind of miracle, okay? Jesus is not. Now, what we do understand that whatever Jesus did always had multiple reasons for why he did who he did it with, when he did it. And it always had context, ultimately, to teach the disciples about the kingdom of God, about who Jesus was, and how God moved, how truth was displayed in a particular way. So these disciples are getting ready to be schooled, okay? They're being taught, and thus we are. There's something for us to learn here today. So this is what he's getting ready to do. So number one, let's take this apart. Number one. A biblical, in our recipe, the first ingredient is a biblical miracle begins where there is a need. Okay, so you can't have a miracle without there a need, right? There's got to be a problem. There's got to be a situation where a miracle takes place because it's kind of a cop-out to say, well, it's a miracle that I'm breathing in and out. Well, yes, that's true. It is a scientific miracle. It is a creative miracle. But is it a, is it, is it a miracle in this, in this context of what we're talking about here? Not so much. So what we're really talking about is you need a conundrum. You need a problem. 
You need a hole. And so when you think about the, a big need, you know what? Let's look around. We all have one of those, don't we? We all do. And now, you know, I understand possibly you're, you haven't had your second cup of coffee yet and you haven't given that any thought. But if you do, you know, you'll dig a little bit deeper. You're going to probably come to the reality. Yes, I got it. I got a place where I need a miracle. I have got a problem in my life. I've got, there is, well, it's either in your life or maybe some of your family, but it's something that's concerning to you. You need God to show up and do something miraculous for you in that area. We all have it. And in what, what that means is we're qualified. So we're going to look at this positively, okay? We could all just look around and say, yeah, I got a problem. Gee whiz, I wish God would care. I wish God loved me enough to come and do this thing. But I was taught many, many years ago when it came to this, when I, I hung around with, with super faith uh, uh, men that were in my life, that, that, that I learned something. I learned that we should not look at our problems, our conundrums, our difficulties, whatever that might be, as just problems per se. But they're this, opportunities. Whoa, that's looking at that totally differently, isn't it? It's an opportunity. It begs the question. It assumes that God is ready to do something in me, through me, for me. And if I'm waking up every day and saying, Lord, your kingdom come, your will be done in my life as it is in heaven, well, then if I've got a problem, that's a kingdom moment, isn't it? That's a kingdom opportunity for God to move through my life. No peace is wasted. No part of your life is wasted. Every bit of it, and that's an interesting thing, isn't it? When you begin to look at your life and every part of your life, the, the, the family you grew up with, the, the people that, that you're surrounded by, the, the places that you live, the different challenges that you have, whether, whether it be physical or, or in your soul, whatever it is, it's all by design to put you in a place to need God. To need God. And so... Again, that's looking at it from a different perspective altogether to say, I got a problem. Well, now I got an opportunity. And you know what? I understand how it is easy for us to be bowled over by the problem. And, and, and yet, it's important for us to know here that if we've got a problem, we've got to ask ourselves this basic question. Have I asked God about it? Because we, we, we all might just say, well, I got this problem. God doesn't care. Well, have you asked him? And I share this, you know, I can share lots of stories about things that I've learned over the years, but let me give you a fresh experience that I have. And we as a family, we actually just joke about, well, we start joking about it to say, well, we'll laugh about this one day, but we're not there. You ever had one of those situations where you say you'll laugh about it one day? Yeah, let's give it a decade because that's kind of what it's going to require. Anyway, we just got back from a little, a little vacation time that we kind of all just saw was a vacation from hell. And... Uh, yeah, and you've been there, you've had one of those things. So you go, and we couldn't find the place. We thought we were going to die out in the wilderness, another story. But anyway, we finally get in the house, and, we're in, and of course, there's no snow. We were hoping for snow. Well, no snow. So now you're just sitting, sitting around a house, enjoying a house. But anyway, so at the end, we all get sick. And I get hammered with it. And yeah, it's one of those bad things. And so I'm laying in bed about two o'clock in the morning. I'm, my, my heart rate is just racing and I, I can feel my head. I've got, I've got fever and I'm like, this ain't cool. 
And so I'm just ready. But in my soul, as we've all been there, I'm just laying there just going, okay, woe is me. I'm in misery. God, you don't care. I guess this is going to make a funny story one day to you, you know? And you just kind of feel like you're in that place. But then, I, I don't know, I just kind of reached out of that and just said, Lord, uh, any chance you can help me out here? And he said, what do you need? I said, well, I need you to heal me of this, this virus going through my body. So I got this little watch on, and you know, where it measures your heart rate. So I looked at my heart rate, and I just thought, well, I'm going to test this. So I looked at it. I'm sitting about 102, 105. Just, my heart is racing. And, and so I just said, Lord, I just ask you to heal me right now. And he goes, done. Okay. I look, and I watch my heart rate go down, down, down down to 65 within just a few minutes. And I, and I, of course, I get up, and I'm like, okay, that was cool. And so I know Andrea was starting to struggle with it, so I prayed for her, and I prayed for everyone. And then God just spoke to me and goes, what else do you need? I'm going, oh, boy, time to get up, you know, time to get up. Okay, Lord, you know this Ford thing going on. So I'm, hey, I'm sorry, God, you asked for it, so here we go. And so I just started praying. I prayed over every one of our children. I prayed for safety. Um, this is the only thing I, I've shared this with you, Jamie, that I also had another terrifying moment that uh, I was driving uh, the vehicle, and it was a trucker behind me. God bless all the truckers of the world. This one, he needs extra blessing. But anyway, he was coming down. I'm coming in the mountains. This guy's riding my rear, and I'm going, I'm going to die. This guy's not going to slow down. And I got a turn in about 300 yards. And so I'm thinking, so I literally get off the road and kind of power slide it into where I'm supposed to be. And this guy just, well, thank God I prayed till two o'clock in the morning that night and asked for safety because that was, wow, close. Folks, I'm telling you, we have conundrums, we have problems, we have issues. The only, we got to ask him. That's, it's, it's pure and simple. When we get in these tight spots, when we're in warfare, when we're over our head, when we feel overwhelmed by what's going on, our biggest problem is that we don't see it as an opportunity. And we need to ask God to help us with that. I'm still learning, you know, because our soul overwhelms us. So folks, the, the, what do we need? To, to, what, how do we qualify for a miracle? Got to have a problem. Well, amen, I'm in. I qualify. Folks, we got also some other problems. Now, these are not big problems. I mean, we can continue to add services to what we have going on here. We can add five, six, and then, you know, you can, guys can have a nice funeral for me and, uh, and everything. You know, we can celebrate. We killed our pastor. We just drove him deep down into the grave. You know, amen to you. But anyway, we think we need a bigger building. We think we need to make room on our stage to do what God has gifted us to do at a greater, bigger far-reaching way. We feel like we need our college here so we can train up the next generation of young people for pastors and teachers and missionaries. We feel like we want to go after the, the musicians and, and uh, those who have been gifted with uh, creative arts to train them to use that for the glory of God. We want to reach our community in as many creative ways as you've already heard. And so we've got a, that's a problem, but it's a good problem. See, we sit around in our, in our staff meeting and sometimes we just kind of take deep breaths as we realize the challenges that we have, but then we just look at each other and say, you know what? These are good problems. You got too many people with, 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 that need hope, that need help. Amen. I'd rather be there than the, on the other side wishing that people would come. So we got good problems, but they're still problems. And so 
in our recipe, we qualify. We need a miracle. Secondly, where there is a need and then sensed by a group. So we got a need. Now it's something we need to understand together. Okay, so we're, we're preparing for a miracle. It's something that we need to embrace together as a church, as individuals. Now, if you look at Mark 6.35, it says, when the day was now far spent, the disciples came to him and said, this is a deserted place and already the hour is late. The disciples recognize what the need is. And what do they do? They go to Jesus. They know where to go. And so, great, they take that next step. And, and yet, what they find is what Jesus says to them is, is pretty amazing. He says, well, I'm glad you guys came to me. You feed them. Hmm? Yeah, you feed them. I know, I know if I was standing there, I'd be like, well, look, Lord, I just saw you heal cancers, cast out demons, people that had never walked ever in their life, they start walking. Why is it that you can't just stand up and just say, bread, be in abundance? Why can't you just say, bread? And there'd be lots of it. Fish, and there'd be lots of it. Could God have done that? Could Jesus have done that? Absolutely. Over and over and over and over again. But this is not what God is doing. God is teaching them, preparing them for the life that they were going to have to live without him there physically. Well, that's us too. And so what he's teaching them, he's teaching us right now. We come to him, we bring our need, and he says, well, okay, you gotta do something. You gotta take a step. You gotta take a step of faith. God speaks to Noah. Um, I'm getting ready to flood the earth. Okay, uh, you know, Lord, how am I gonna survive? You build an ark. Well, can't you build it? No, I'm calling you to build it. Jesus looks at the man who is there. He's suffering. He's, he's, he's crippled, and he's laying by the side of the, ro- uh, of, of the road, and he says to him, do you want to walk? Yes, sir. Do you want to be healed? Yes, sir. Then stand up and walk. There has to be an act of faith. There has to be an engagement in our life to meet him. He's got the word, but then we've got to respond to that word. We've got a problem, but he's calling us to be a part of seeing that problem fulfilled. That is action, is it not? Isn't that what we're talking about with faith and action going together and how critically important that is to engage it? So that's exactly what Jesus is doing for the disciples right now. He's saying, now what to show you what what he's doing here, that you see it. He's not surprised by any of this. He's not surprised by any of it. They say, hey, Lord, we got a problem, man. You got all these people to feed. In another instance of this story, one of them stands up and says, um, he said, what are we going to do? And he goes, let's just send him home. (sighs) Nice idea, you cruel, nasty dude. We can't send him home. They're going to die along the way. You feed them. So they have to go back. So we could just ignore this community. We could just not grow. I mean, has anybody ever considered that? I mean, that's actually been told to me before. Not necessarily here, but a a person. Well, have you guys ever thought about just not growing? (sighs) Have you ever heard of the parable of the talents? I mean, when we get there, he's going to either say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. What I gave you, you multiplied. That's kind of going to be on the final test. 
So even much more so for all of us, we need to be taking what God has given us and, 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 and sowing it to see exponential growth. Even much more so with the church. The time is short. We're called to, to be salt and light. We're called to be where his bride. We're called to continue to reach and reach and reach. And more people means growth. And that's the way it works. It's the way it should work. So, he says, you go feed them, fully intending to do what he was going to do, which was what? A miracle. So, Abraham is called to sacrifice his son, yet God fully knows, and what's more important is Abraham knows that God is going to supply. We see this here again. God is teaching these, these fishermen how to be an Abraham at this moment, how to trust him, to trust God that he will be the source. But what he needs for them to do is to turn around and to say, okay, we're going to feed these people. I don't know how it's going to happen. One of them steps up and says, hey, did you notice the kid? Get to that in a second. So God puts them in a place where they absolutely have to engage it is recognized as a group. So in other words, the, the, the need is now recognized to its nth degree. It's brought to Jesus. Jesus says, now what are you going to do about it? And in a very same way, if you look at the anatomy, the same thing happened with me. And I go, Lord, I sure wish you could heal me. And he says, well, ask me. Oh, okay. And ask in faith. Don't beg. And that's exactly what I did. And he touched me. So the final ingredient, it says, then they step out, out regardless of the odds. Look at John 6, 8 and 9. One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, there is a lad here who has five bar barley loaves and two small fish, but what are they among so many? So they then go and just say, okay, well, what has God provided? I mean, oh, there's Jimmy. We're going to refer to him as Jimmy from here on out, all right? There's Jimmy. Well, Jimmy brought a lunch. And so they're thinking, one lunch? All right. So they go to Jimmy. Now let's shift over to Jimmy's perspective here just for a moment because we're all going to be Jimmy here in just a second. So let's look at Jimmy just for a minute. Here's Jimmy. I mean, you got to feel bad for Jimmy, right? So here comes Andrew. He's moving toward him. He's looking, and, and, and they all know that the scuttlebutt is that they don't have enough food. So Jimmy's over there going, taking his lunch, pushing it behind him. no, 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 no. What you doing over there, Jimmy? Uh, just working with my stuff. Well, what is that? Well, it's my lunch. Well, we're going to need that lunch. So Jimmy is over there. He's getting ready to become a part of this miracle in a major way. But you can't, you can't blame Jimmy if all of a sudden he's thinking or stands up and say, what's wrong with you guys? Am I the only one who thought that going on a journey today I was going to need to bring a lunch? I mean, matter of fact, you got to love Jimmy. He brought five loaves of bread. He was in for the long haul. He's going, oh, man, I'm hanging out with Jesus for a while. Let's put in five loaves of bread. Good to go. you got to love Jimmy. But Jimmy kind of represents those of, in our, those of us in our live, lives who are, are, are now getting ready to be called into this miracle plan because we have had foresight. It's that we are now getting ready to be a part of something major. And this is where it all begins to mix together in the ingredients to make a miracle. 
Because a lot of times, the miracle is going to be provided through somebody in your life. It's going to be a, a, a circumstance. It's more often than not, it's going to be something that is going to be supernatural. It's going to be a natural thing that God makes super. It's going to be something that is very natural that God is going to often use. And I tell you what, that has happened in my life so many times. That often, and I don't even know who that person is that God's going to use. So here's Jimmy. The guys recognize it. They go and they say, Jimmy, would you, would you sacrifice? Would you give up your lunch? J- Jesus needs it. So now let's just assume that Jimmy now is, according to the story, there's no fight. He gives it up. He gives it over. And then the miracle happens. They start handing out the bread. The bread multiplies right in front of them, materializes. God, you, you see the manna happening once again right there in front of them. Because God is the bread creator. He is the bread of life. And that's exactly why Jesus chose this particular moment to to, to make that evidently clear. Because now the guys are going, he said he was the bread of life. He ain't kidding. Because he just made a lot of bread in an amazing, miraculous way. Folks, there's a couple of reasons why it's hard for us to give up our lunch. Because God does require it. God does require, when it comes to sometimes miracles, that God is just saying, well, what do you got? I need you to sow that. I need to lay your Isaac on the altar. I need you to take that step. I need to give you, you need to give your life. You need to, to, to stop sitting on your couch at home watching television, and you need to get engaged. You need to throw yourself in. You need to be that living sacrifice. And, and, and then, and all the different parts of how that comes to play. But it's hard. It's hard to care for others when we are comfortable ourselves. It's hard for us to think about the kingdom of God when we're in this comfort zone, when we've taken care of our needs or we've done whatever it is, you know, that I've got mine. I don't know if I care about yours. I mean, can't God do that? Mm-mm. I mean, he can, but he's not chose to do it, chosen to do it that way, just as in our story. Secondly, God asks, often asks us to do things that don't make sense. That's true? Man, yeah. Yeah. Coming here was a part of those. I mean, how many people that came to me and just said, Pastor David, what are you doing? Why are you doing this? Why are you going there? Why are you giving this up? Why are you doing that? Don't you know? I mean, you're going to start having to... I mean, I had professional people come to me, people I highly respect saying, you're throwing your career out the window. And I'm saying, "Then, then it's forfeit because I've got to do what God has called me to do. And that's important, isn't it? Folks, we're now surrounded by all of those disciples and Jimmy. And Jimmy is in this great cloud of witnesses cheering us on. And the truth is, if Jimmy can do it, we can do it. I know I'm referring, he'd have a Jewish name. He's probably, you know, Benjamin or something like that. If he can do it, we can do it. The scripture makes it clear, Hebrews chapter 12 Verse 1, therefore we also, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run forward, parentheses me, with endurance the race that is set before us. So those heroes of faith have gone before us, folks, and they're, they're cheering us on. They're saying, look, we saw miraculous things happen through our life. We saw things that were not become a reality. 
So again, we're looking at this to, to I, I, I know it's hard for me to do this, but this is for you individually, but it's also for our corporate vision here at Valley. This thing is bigger than us. I don't know how we're going to do it, but we're going to do it. We're going to bring our lunch. That's what we're going to do. We're going to bring our lunch, and that's the best we can do. Today, we're all Jimmy's. Next Sunday, we'll be all Jimmy's. We'll bring what we have. But when you think about your lunch, three, think of these three things. When you think about giving, there is three levels that we've all experienced. And I'm not sure where you are in this journey, but you just categorize yourself. That is level one, what can I afford? Well, as Andrew and I are thinking, have always thought about our life when it came to tithing, our giving to the poor, uh, our, you know, alms, given secretly, and then offerings to missionaries and other ministries. And then as we are preparing for our involvement in forward, you always start there. You look at your budget and say, well, what can I slide off and not feel any pinch? What can I do that way? Well, that's level one. And that's where a lot of us could live. But there's another level. There's two more, in fact. What can I sacrifice? So there's what I can afford. And then there is, okay, then what can I... What's going to cost me? What's going to bite into me a little bit? And that's certainly a level, and you, a level that you have lived in. Now, here's the third level, and this is where we all hope to finally arrive, and that is, what can I trust God to do through me? That's not seeing the money that I have as mine at all. <laughs> and that's going... That's not being presumptuous, because being presumptuous would be just saying, well, there's a whole lot more where that came from, you know, and, you know, just throwing money everywhere you go. Uh-uh. But it's like, I know that I have been found faithful to God, that he sees me as a faithful carrier of blessings to others, that he has given me a lunch on a particular day to be able to share it and watch that lunch turn into to feed multitudes and do amazing things. That's the highest level of sacrificial giving, to be able to live at that plane. So again, it's those, what we can afford, what I can, I can bring out, and it doesn't, doesn't make me feel anything. And then the next level <clears throat> cuts in a little bit, have to make some changes, can't go out to eat as much, can't, can't do this. But the next one is, Lord, what can you, over the next three years, do through me? That requires you having the vision. That requires you being a sacrificial in, uh, individual. It requires you being able to hear his voice. It requires you to be able to obey his voice. And it requires you to say, okay, I'm ready for you to do a miracle in me and through me. You know, here's the final thought that I'll leave with you. <clears throat> I learned this many years ago, and it was hard for me to accept that first. But it's this simple. You can never outgive God. You can never outgive him. And what do I mean by that? Is that means when I give of my time and my energies in my life, which, as you know, at the age of 17, I turned it over all to him. I've turned my wife over to him. I've turned my children over to him. Every aspect of my life, as far as I can tell, and if there is any aspect, he'll be after it, dedicated to him. And as I have given, God has blown me away over and over and over again, that what is sacrificial at the moment, what might be the world say you're nuts, what 
is, it seems like you're throwing into the wind or giving up or, or, or what's sacrificing for nothing, God always comes back with exponential blessing. And remind me, remind me that that's why. And I'll tell you what, I, you, know, you know, pastors are so tempted to always live on the laurels of the past. But I mean, some of these are still being baked in this recipe in my life. I wish I could share with you. I wish I could give you the cake today, but I can't because they're still developing. They're still baking in the oven, but man, I can see them baking. I can see it. I've got my, wind, my face in the glass going, oh God, I can't wait to see what you're going to do in so many areas. I'm excited, and you can be too. Look, there's, there's, there's no moratorium on jumping in with God. <laughs> there's no, if you, masked, if you missed one little exit ramp, you can still get on it today. I want you to be praying this next week because it is an opportunity for you. It's an opportunity for us to leave a legacy and do something quite amazing in our region. And our next generation of young people and families will thank you for it. Amen. Let's stand up.